all-time favorite movies is the 1994 smash hit Forrest Gump. Now, Forrest Gump is about this young boy that grows up in Alabama, and he uh, gets involved inadvertently in all these historic events. And it's just one thing after another that just always seems to happen to Forrest Gump throughout the movie. And he's a, as a young boy growing up, he has a problem with his legs, which makes him sort of an outcast among all of his friends there in Greenbow, Alabama. And on the first day of school, he gets onto the school bus, and as he's walking up onto the bus, he quickly finds out that you can't sit here, you know, and seat's taken. And, and he, he, he learns very quickly that he didn't belong. Until so there's this one little young girl, sweet little girl named Jenny, who became the love of his life, who, who says, you can sit with me. Well, later on in the movie, that same scene plays out again as he is shipping off to go to the war in Vietnam. And as he gets onto the bus there to go out with all the other recruits, the same thing happens again. Can't sit here. There's no room for you here. And he finds out again that he... He didn't belong until another Alabama native from Battery named Bubba Blue moved over and said, you can sit here with me. These two men struck, out, struck it out as, as fast friends there in the movie, and there's this really uh, funny scene where they're talking with their lieutenant, Dan, and uh, Lieutenant Dan is, is talking to these two fellas, and, and he learns that they're both from Alabama. And he looks at them, and he says, are you two boys twins? And they look at each other, and uh, Forrest goes, we are not relations, sir. Uh, it's just a kind of a funny, funny little scene. But as these two men may not have anything in common, except that they were both from Alabama, in the movie, they were like brothers. I mean, they loved each other. Forrest went back in to, to save Bubba when he was injured in the war. And they might not have been blood relations, but they were brothers. And I want you to know today that that's what it's like in the church. That we might not be physically related, but we are blood related through the blood of Jesus. And that makes us brothers, and it makes us sisters in Christ. And the problem in Galatia, as we're studying through the book of Galatians, is that there was this group of Judaizers who, who had infiltrated the church, and they said to all these new Christians, you don't belong. They said to them, you can't sit here. They said to them, the seat's taken. That you're not a Christian because you're not circumcised. That you're not really a Christian because you aren't keeping all of the law. Uh, that you're not really a Christian because uh, you aren't like us. And they were trying to divide the kingdom. And Paul says to this church in Galatia, listen, they've got the gospel all wrong. And the theme that we're going to see this morning in our passage of Scripture is this. That no matter where you're from, though no matter what you've done, if you are in Christ, then you belong. Let me, we're going to say this together because I really want this to sink down into our hearts, okay? No matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, 
If you are in Christ, then you belong. No matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, if you are in Christ, then you belong. Stand with me in honor of God's word this morning if you are able and turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. The word of God says, For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want us to learn about this gospel unity that Paul speaks of in this passage of Scripture. And the first thing that he teaches this church is that if you are in Christ, then we have a unified standing before the Lord. A unified standing. In verse 27, he says, those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Now, at the end of our, of our last passage that we studied last week, Paul argued that we no longer need a guardian because we are grown up. We, are, we have trusted in Jesus by faith to save us. And he says, if you have done that, you are now counted as sons of God in Christ Jesus. He's now further explaining to them what this means. That if you are in Christ, then you are united with Christ. That if you are in Christ, you have standing because of Christ. You belong. Now, my two boys play on a travel baseball team, uh, and their coach is a, a man by the name of Michael Rivera. And Michael's a great guy who played baseball at the University of Tennessee back in the early 2000s. And they went to the College World Series in Omaha. And then he went and played minor league baseball all the way up to AAA baseball. And so he's very knowledgeable. He's very good. He's a great coach. And he teaches them a lot about the game of baseball. Uh, but he still also has connections down at UT. And so from time to time, our little boys' teams will go to Lindsey Nelson Stadium and they'll hit in the batting cages down there. And they'll actually get to go out on the field and hit and, and play and do different things out on the field. Now, they're able to do that because they're with Michael Rivera, okay? Like if I just showed up at UT one day and said, hey, boys, get out on the field. Let's go play. Let's go get in the cages and hit some. You know what would happen? I would get arrested, okay? That's what would happen. They'd say, you look like an Alabama fan. You don't belong here, Okay? But because we're with him, it's okay. Because we're with him, we belong. And so what Paul says here is that those who were baptized into Christ belong. It refers to those who have accepted Jesus as Savior by faith. I mean, that's what baptism really is. It's a public profession of our faith in Jesus. And it's publicly identifying with him you're confessing that Jesus has saved you and you're one of us now that's what you're doing when you're being baptized and you're counted with Christ and you're united with him and with his church 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. And so he says those who have, who have done this have been clothed with Christ, he says in the passage. And so when we trust in Jesus for salvation, he says that we are covered in Christ. Being clothed with Christ is crucial because it's our only defense before the Lord. On the day of judgment, each and every one of us would all be counted guilty before God because each and every one of us has sinned against God. We've all trespassed against against the Lord. We've all broken the law. And the punishment for our sin is death. And so we all should be counted guilty. But if we are clothed in Christ, there's a different verdict for us. Because Christ is innocent. Because Christ is perfect in all things. Because Christ is completely holy and completely righteous. And so when we are clothed in Christ, we are imputed his righteousness. And we are counted as one with Christ. We're buried with him, and we are raised with him. He was counted with us in death so that we could be counted with him in life. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verses 4 and 5, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so because Christ is innocent, we're counted as innocent. And we stand before the judge not guilty, Because of what Christ has done for us. We belong. And we don't belong because of anything that that we've done. We can't stand before the judge and plead the good things that, that, that we've done in our life. We can only plead Christ. Because we are sinners. But because of Christ, we're saved. And we have standing with Christ. And so this is what Paul is reminding this church in Galatia. As this group is coming in and saying, you don't belong. He says, oh no, you have been counted with Christ. You have put your faith in him. And you have standing with God because of Jesus. Not because of anything that you've done. He continues further in this passage and he reminds them about gospel unity by saying to them, now we have unified relationships together. For those who have trusted in Christ, he says you're, you're found in Christ. You've been given a new name. You have been adopted into the household of God. Not only is our vertical relationship with the Lord made right because of Christ, But he says, because of Christ, our horizontal relationships with one another are different as well. Look what he says in verse 28. He says, there is no Jew or Greek, there is no slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? That we're all family now. That we're all family 
now. And, and, I mean, that's exactly the metaphor that the Bible uses over and over throughout the Scriptures to describe the kingdom. They say it's like family. God relates to us as our Father. And you see all throughout the New Testament letters them referring to one another as brother and as sister. And so that implies to us that we're going to be together through thick and thin. That we're going to have one another's backs. That we're going to encourage each other and we're going to support each other. We're going to correct each other. But we're going to love each other. And that was the point that Jesus made to this Hebrew law expert that wanted to know who his neighbor was. Remember, he came to Jesus and, and, um, and asked him about keeping the law that says you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, well, wait a second now, who is my neighbor? He wanted to know exactly who it was that he was supposed to love as himself. Hopefully it's not too many people is kind of what you get, get the feeling as, you're, as he's asking the question. And so as Jesus' answer to him, he tells the story of this Samaritan man who helped this man that was left for dead on the side of the road. And as Jesus tells the story, what we see is that the priest didn't love the man, that the Levite didn't love the man. It was the hated Samaritan that loved the man. And so Jesus tells this Hebrew law expert at the end of the story, you go and do the same thing. Why? Because we are family. Means that we all have the same name, right? And what is that name? It's the name of Christ that is over us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul says, In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. He says we all bear the name of Christ together. Now all the things that the world tries to use to separate us are overridden in Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that you're no longer a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't mean that you're no longer a male or a female. It doesn't mean that you're no longer black or white or American or Mexican. It's just that those monikers aren't the most important identifier for you any longer. It's that Christian is. That we have the same name that is over all of us who are in Christ. This past Tuesday night, I went to a city prayer gathering down at Overcoming Believers Church in East Knoxville. And they were people from all over the city that had gathered together to pray for uh, everything that had gone on at Austin East this past week. And we were praying for the school children and for the community. And you know what? Nobody there cared that I was white. Nobody there cared that I was from Halls and not from East Knoxville. No one there cared that I was even a pastor. What they cared about was that I was a brother in Christ who was praying with them. And we were all together. And we were family. 
But unfortunately, the church has taken on much of the character of the world in this regard. Because when we look at our nation, our nation is divided politically, it's divided racially, it's divided socioeconomically, it's divided regionally, it's divided practically any way that it could be divided. And Satan loves that. And instead of being a light that would shine into a dark world, unfortunately the church in many ways has become just like them. Because when you look at the church, it's as divided as ever it was. You see churches who are fighting over politics and churches that are fighting over COVID policies and churches that are fighting over music, churches that are fighting over the color of the carpet, churches fight over just about anything. And it's ridiculous. Jesus told his disciples before he was arrested that they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And a splintered church has no witness. A splintered church has no power. If you look back at the early church in Acts chapter 2, you can turn there in your Bibles. I love to read this passage and see everything that was going on when the church started. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, listen to what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. How many times in that passage did Luke use the word together and all and everybody? I mean, it, just start underlining. It's... it's all throughout that passage. And what was the result? Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Because they had a witness and they had the power of the Holy Spirit as they were together. Now there's a recent Gallup poll that came out about a week or two ago that startled many American evangelicals. Because what it showed was that for the first time in our nation's history, those who claim to attend church are the minority in the United States. For the very first time in the history of the United States, those who claim to attend church are the minority. So what does that mean? It means that we don't have time to play games any longer. That the church has to get this right. That the church has to get her act together. That the church has to be unified. And what that means for us today is that we're going to have to live as one family in Christ. Now families don't always agree on everything. At least that's how it is at my house. Maybe yours is a little bit more perfect. But they're always family, right? And so when our brothers and sisters in East Knoxville are hurting, it hurts us too. 
We don't say things like, well, that's what happens in East Knoxville. It hurts us because there are brothers and sisters. That when our brothers and sisters voted differently than we did, it doesn't mean that it has to divide the church. That when our brothers and sisters have different views about whether they should have a mask or not, that it doesn't have to divide the church. That when a church doesn't do everything that I prefer, it doesn't have to divide the church because we work it out like family does. Martin Luther King said that we have to learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. That we have to have united relationships. Because we have a unified future. That's the last thing that Paul says to this church in verse 29. He says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 18, the Bible says, Then you will have a future, and your hope will not be dashed. You see, we have a united future in Christ. He says, we are Abraham's seed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham, and if we belong to him, then we're Abraham's seed as well, which means that we receive the promised blessing of God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Wow. Our citizen, we are citizens of heaven. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. And when Jesus comes again, he's going to restore all things. When Jesus comes again, he is going to make everything new. He's going to make all the wrong things right again. And he's going to bless his people forever. And that blessing is the salvation of our souls. That blessing is the forgiveness of our sins. That blessing is the presence of God forever. That blessing is a land that is fairer than day. That blessing is perfect fellowship and unity. That blessing is uncompromised holiness and purity. That blessing is beauty and splendor like our eyes have never beheld. That blessing is glorified bodies. That blessing is the gathering of all the saints from all the ages. This is the blessing that God has said he's going to give to us. Max Lucado says that God never said the journey would be easy, but he did say the arrival would be worthwhile. And so if we belong to Christ, then we are heirs in this kingdom. Heirs. That means that all of it's going to be ours one day. Because we're all sons of God in Christ Jesus. In the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3, in verse 3, the Bible says, We too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. What does that say? There was a time that we didn't belong. But 
When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration, renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Jesus makes us to belong. Jesus makes us part of the family. And there's not going to be a white section and a black section in heaven. There's not going to be a rich section and a poor section in heaven. There's not going to be an English-speaking section and a Spanish-speaking section in heaven. There's not going to be a Jewish section and a Gentile section in heaven. There's just going to be heaven, and it's going to be paradise. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, John says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language that no one could number, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Can you see this picture? A vast number. It's innumerable. This multitude that's come from every corner of the earth. But they're all there together and they're all there because of Jesus because he called them and he redeemed them and they are all his bride and there's no one there saying you can't sit here the seat's taken if you are in Christ then you are an heir according to the promise and this promise is for all who believe upon the Lord for salvation so that no matter where you're from no matter what you've done if you are in Christ then you belong and there are some here today who need to hear that you can belong that you can be part of God's family no matter what you've done you might have a long list of ways that you have sinned against God But the good news is that God sent a sufficient Savior, Jesus, to pay the price for that long list. And when he died on the cross, he covered it in his blood. And he died the death that we're supposed to die because the penalty for our sin is death. But when he walked out of the grave alive on the third day, he showed that he had power over sin and over death and over hell. And he's offering to you today this life. He's offering to you today this forgiveness. He's offering to you today to belong in his family, in his kingdom. And today you can trust in Jesus by faith to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says that he will hear your prayers and that he will save you. He will wash you clean and he will make you new and you will become reconciled to God. We're going to have a time to respond in a minute. Everybody's going to be standing. We're going to be singing. And there's going to be leaders here across the front. And if this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today, do not wait. Come then. Come down and say, I want to belong. I want to have this relationship with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I need what you're talking about. You come and make this decision today. Christians, as we think about this passage of scripture today, we've been reminded of how we belong because of Jesus. And I think that perhaps today 
we can pray about being unified in relationships, that we can pray for the unity of this church in particular and for the unity of the capital C church in, in particular as well. That we can pray that the church would be a witness, that the church be filled with the Holy Spirit power to reach out to our nation and to a world that doesn't regard God and to share with them how he loves them and how he wants to save them. And so maybe you want to spend time at your seat or here at this altar in prayer. There might be some that God is calling to become part of this church family. We want you to know that if you're in Christ, then you belong here. We want you to come and, and join what God's doing at this church. So maybe this might be your first day. Maybe you've been visiting for quite a long time. But at this time, the Holy Spirit is saying, this is where I want you to be. Then come and share that decision with us this morning. But however God is speaking to your heart, now's the time to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for, Lord, how we belong because of you. God, you are good and gracious. And although we once didn't belong, you have made us sons and heirs in your kingdom. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to live out that gospel unity in our church, in the church, in our own lives. God, if there's things that we need to settle between one another, I pray that we would do that. Things that would hinder the unity of the, of the body. And so God, move during this time in our hearts. Lord, may your Holy Spirit take this word and, and plant it deep inside. God, I pray for those who are here that need to trust in you as their Savior and Lord this morning. I pray that, Lord, that they would realize that today they can belong in your family because of what Jesus did. And would they come and confess him as Savior and Lord today and find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.